An interesting morning here at the old church house. But whatever, that's good. I'm excited to sing. Glad that you're here with us. Hopefully, you can hear us out there in wherever you are. And, uh, and we're going to be excited to lift our voices here in just a moment. I do want to welcome you, uh, both uh, longtime attendees and perhaps some guests that we might have with us today. Uh, welcome to Christ Community Church. And uh, if you are a guest with us today, I want to invite you to go online at uh, c3ak.com slash hello. There it is. Beautiful, isn't it? And uh, you fill out a little connect card there. Tell us that you have joined us today. And I would love to be able to send a note back to you and uh, encourage you. And thank you for being with us on our live stream today, wherever or whenever you might be listening to it. And then uh, you've got some kids at home. Maybe, or maybe you're a kid at heart at home and you like to do things with pens and markers and stuff like that. You can jump in here too, c3ak.com slash kidprint. Go right there, you can download this week's uh, handouts, little puzzles and fill in blanks and things to color. It's pretty awesome stuff. And uh, hopefully here in just a couple of weeks, we will be able to launch for you an additional resource for our kids, some uh, video content excited to bring to you and uh, give you more resources to use at home as we continue to do whatever it is that we're doing right now in the midst of this weird time. Uh, another thing, if you're prepared to give, I hope that you are. I know that you can do it long distance no matter where you are. You can find all that information at c3ak.com slash donate and there's four or five different options there. Text to give, you can give through PayPal, you can send us a good old check here at the church. Um, there's an online portal through Planning Center, uh, lots of options there. So make use of that, take advantage of that, give as you can, give generously as the Lord leads you, and we certainly are blessed that you do so. And then finally, I uh, want to let you know that this morning we would love to pray with you, pray for you, and uh, you can email us and our prayer team at prayer at c3ak.com, and we are always excited when we receive uh, some messages there. And I encourage you, more of you to take advantage of that. Um, we haven't been having a whole lot. We've had some here and there. But we, I know that life is not simple for everybody right now. And I know there are things going on that we would like for God's intervention. So let us pray with you. Invite us to do that uh, through that email address. And then uh, if you want to send something more confidential, you'd like someone to pray, but maybe you don't want to share it with the prayer team, send that to myself or Pastor Jason. So Pastor Jason or Pastor Tracy at c3ak.com. Those will come right to us, and we'll be very excited. Uh, he and I pray for you and pray with you. All right? With that said, let me pray for us as we begin this morning, and then we're going to jump into Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today to, to celebrate you, to express our thankfulness to you in all things. Lord, thank you for the gift of music and these who have gathered here to create it together for us to worship and lift our voices. Lord, thank you for our tech crew this morning who uh, have shuffled through some very confusing moments today. And uh, Lord, just their, their good spirits and their kind hearts. Thank you for those on our teams who are not with us today, but uh, are home uh, 
dealing with things that they have to deal with and taking a Sunday off uh, from the work and those sorts of things. Lord, we thank you for them. And I want to thank you today for all of those who call Christ Community Church their home and how they have just been such a blessing to us over these past many, many weeks and months of this uh, unusual time. Just such a great group of people that you've gathered here together. And Lord, I pray that you'll fill our hearts with hope and with purpose and with promise, even when things are not ideal and they are confusing in the world around us. Lord, take our worship this morning as a gift to you. May it bless you. May you be pleased by it. And Lord, we ask that you, you abide with us in each of the places where we are this morning. Lord, send your presence to us in a real and tangible way that we might know your love and that we might express ours to you. In Jesus' name.
All right, everybody there at home, I want you to answer out loud in your home, how's your week been? <laughs> so you can, you can say things at home that you might not be able to say here, so feel free, knock yourself out, it's your house, do whatever you want. It's been pretty good for us, dealing with the uh, return of virtual school at our house. It's going okay. Karen's doing a great job. So proud of her and and her colleagues trying to make the best of a very difficult, complicated situation and trying to satisfy so many different people's expectations. And then that's, uh, that's very difficult to do. And then uh, our, our dog, our, our young puppy, not the little tiny three-pound puppy who's 10, the young puppy who just turned a year old, Stephen's dog, Odin, had his second knee surgery, uh, and he's doing great, and he wants to be back to 100%, but he's got to keep it easy for a couple more weeks, so we're thankful for our, our veterinarian and the work that he was able to do and, and all that stuff, and so there were things to be thankful for, and that's where we've turned our gaze this week. We spent a few weeks kind of griping about state of things, finding some comfort in Scripture, finding some encouragement in Scripture, but, but we want to turn our, our attention to actual, the idea of Thanksgiving today, and, and I don't anticipate that this is going to be a very lengthy message today. I've got just one tiny little thread of Scripture that I want to share with you. I'm going to read some other for you, but we just have one that we'll have here on the screen today. And, uh, and, of course, that's because, if you're not aware, this Thursday is Thanksgiving. Um, Karen and I went early to the grocery store yesterday morning to pick up a few last-minute things. Um, we're just, it's just us at the house, and then uh, Lloyd and Vicky are going to come and join us, and Haley's going to come and join us. That's our little family bubble there that will be bubbling together for Thanksgiving. And so we picked up a few more things. And it wasn't bad, but it was even by the time we left, it was starting to ramp up at the store. You know, it gets crazy a few days before. So plan your time wisely, wear your mask, wash your hands, be careful out there, and, uh, and do your diligence. And so with that idea of Thanksgiving, I want us to turn to some scripture. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 today. And I want, I want to read to you a, a little bit of this section before the, the, the key verse today. And, and really, this 1 Thessalonians is, is interesting among just a couple of other of the letters in the New Testament, the, the, the epistles, as we call them, letters that were written uh, by Paul and a couple of others to the churches that were growing after Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and his ascension back into his place in heaven, the Bible tells us, seated at the right hand of the Father, and that he is there today and every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the Bible says he is there making intercession for us before God. Isn't that a beautiful picture? There's something to be thankful for. But 1 Thessalonians, among just a couple of others, holds kind of a distinction that the writer here isn't addressing a problem in the church. 
fact, if you read many of the letters, the books that we find in the, in the New Testament that were written, many of them were written to address issues that had arisen in the early church, divisions, factions over uh, who was following which teacher, um, some, some rebukes about certain doctrines that were being uh, taught that were not consistent with the teachings of Jesus Christ, um, instructions about how um, the church should function and how we should relate to one another, which is included in some of what's here today. Um, but uh, they were given, in some of the other letters, they were given as uh, admonishments, like, hey, you guys are messing this up, and, and you shouldn't do these things. You should instead be focused on these things. And so First Thessalonians is uh, kind of unique among just a couple of other letters that it's really a, a letter of encouragement to the church at Thessalonica, the people there. Uh, Paul is just thrilled with the reports that he's receiving from the church and the communications that he's getting from some of the members and the leaders there. The reputation of the church is growing in its community, and he's, he's just really pleased, and he's excited about that. And I would say to Christ Community Church, if I were to write a letter to you in this same fashion, I would write a letter that sounds a lot like this because uh, you have become a collection of people who really, I see over and over and over again the way that you express the love of Christ for one another uh, in so many uh, caring ways and unselfishly and you're accepting of one another and of new people and, uh, and it's been a bit of a, of a burden, right? It's been a bit of a challenge. It's been somewhat of a heartbreak for us to not be able to function fully in that way for these many, many weeks. And I am longing for the day that we are past this moment in time to something that resembles, hopefully, prayerfully, something much more like what normal would be. And when I think of normal, I don't necessarily mean that everything just goes back to the way it was before. We talked about that several weeks ago, you know, uh, establishing in our minds in this time, and this is probably a good tie-in to Thanksgiving, are there things that this environment, this circumstance, the way that we've been pushed around in our daily choices and the choices of our lives, are there things that we've discovered that we used to be doing that we should just not let come back? And are there things that we have begun doing that we should keep because they actually have value and they're meaningful to us and we didn't realize them because we weren't in this circumstance? And so I would encourage you in that, but I do look forward to the day when we see our faces gathered here in this place together in a, in a complete way and guests and visitors joining us because they feel safe and confident to do that in, in an environment going forward and having the freedom to share with those in our community an invitation to physical church. And, and I encourage you, please, don't, don't, don't neglect the opportunity to invite people to church whether it's church in this room or joining us digitally, virtually online. Uh, I've got a handful of reports from folks over the past many months who have only joined us via our live streaming format, and it's been so meaningful to them. And so don't neglect that you might have that opportunity. In fact, that might be the least threatening way that you could invite somebody to church that you've ever seen in your whole life. 
They don't have to walk in the door. They don't have to face anybody they don't know. Nobody's going to ask them their name or, or where they're from or any of those questions. They can join us within the comfort of wherever they might be. And then you, because you have that relationship, can have a conversation with them about that that is much less uh, threatening and intimidating than it might be in a, in a normal environment. So don't, don't lose that opportunity that we have in this time. It's another thing to be thankful for. But I might write to you a letter that was similar to what Thessalon uh, Thessalonians is here, 1 Thessalonians, because I, I really value you so much, and you are really a wonderful, wonderful group of people that God has brought together, and I know that he has good plans for us going forward. These next four or five months, if things continue the way they are, they're going to be a challenge for us uh, because we feel like we're going backwards in some ways, and we don't know what tomorrow holds. Um, Financially, it may be a challenge, but we've gotten this far almost 20 years. I think 2023, Jason, is that right? 2023 will be 20 years officially of Christ Community Church. Guys, that's great news. And through so many difficult times, we are still here. And this difficult time, God has shown repeatedly in his hand, working in so many miraculous things in our lives in these last several years, that he intends for us to continue. So take heart in that. Do your part sharing the good news, sharing the church, uh, sharing your resources, whatever it is that you can do to help us get through this difficult time. And we will continue to do the same to try and be creative in the ways that we bring you the good news and the gospel and encourage you throughout the week. So let's look at some of this passage and, and I'm going to draw it down pretty quick here. So I'm going to start, I think, I'm going to start by changing my glasses because this is what happens when you're old. Oh, I can see it. All right. If, if I'd given this all to Jason to put on the screen, I would have just looked back there, but I, I only want the one verse. So I'm going to start in verse 12 if you want to join me there. Uh, verse 12, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. That's one of the things I've really loved about Christ Community Church is even when we've had difficult times and we've had things that we didn't necessarily agree about every aspect, we have always been peaceful with one another. And it's such a blessing and so different from so many of the churches that I, that I observed growing up and other places that I've been involved with. And so it's just been such a blessing. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Now, the word, he's used the word admonished here twice. One, he's admonished them to say, those who are leading you, uh, value them because they're doing a good work in you. And that, of course, the implication is there, are they doing a good work in you? Are, are we, as your leaders, doing a good work in you? If we're not, that's a different conversation. But if we are, he says, be kind to them, respect them. Hold them in high esteem because of the work that they're doing among you, and then be at peace among yourself. And then you also, you can admonish others. But that word admonish in our modern language, to me, always feels kind of negative. Like, I'm going to admonish you. I'm going to point my finger at you. And But in the language here, in the Greek, it's really not like that. It is a word of encouragement, there's no, um, there's no argument in this word 
to admonish others. There's no anger in it. There's no bitterness. It is a sincere desire to see someone who maybe is struggling and having an issue and and missing the mark that even they would desire for themselves, that you come alongside them and you, and you kind of say, come on now, let's, let's redirect, let's rethink. Um, maybe you need to lay aside that thing over there that's giving you trouble and, and go in this direction. It's a very loving, encouraging attitude to take. So he says, admonish the idle, those who are, who are just bored, they're just not doing anything. Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with all of them. Mm. That's good. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always, always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. I love that phrase there. Always seek to do good to one another. That's us, right? The church. That's us. Who, who have gathered together and have come together in this one expression of the church called Christ Community Church, be good to one another and to everyone. Lest, lest we should ever wonder, like the disciples did when they asked Jesus, who is our neighbor? And Jesus tells them the story of, of one of the most hated factions of Judaism that they can uh, think about in their own community and says, even those guys that you think, you've, been, you've grown up being told that those are the worst people on the planet, that's your neighbor. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's the same message here. Be good to one another and to everyone. That's our mission in the world. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And here's our key verse. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in everything. And that's where I want to land this morning. And uh, so that's 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat that this passage of Scripture can be and is often horribly applied. It is often very misrepresented and it harms those who are trying to genuinely follow the cause of Christ and to understand their place in life with Christ and can cause them to have attitudes about things in their lives that are, that are completely unbiblical. And I'll give you some examples. Let me say first, what this passage is not saying is that you should be thankful for everything that happens to you. And I've heard that expressed. I've watched people try to struggle through issues in their lives. Um, I can think of some people that I lo- love and care about whose lives for, for years were wrecked by drugs and alcohol. I would never, ever encourage them to go back and be thankful for drugs and alcohol. I would not encourage them to be thankful for the times that they harmed loved ones, harmed themselves, were harmed by others because of the effects of that addiction. 
Now, those same people would probably say that they understand that where they are today is a result of where they came from, but I don't think you'll find many who would say, but I'd love to go through all of that again. The same is true, I can think of friends who have uh, debilitating diseases, um, cancers growing in their body that they've fought with, they've struggled with, they've, they've fought with their own will, they've fought with medical science. And I've heard people pray, thank you God for my cancer. I don't think that's biblical. We see no example of it in scripture where someone thanks God for their disease. Now, understand that that's not the same as suffering. We do see places where people will thank God for their suffering, the effects of something that they're dealing with, which could be disease or addiction or struggle or circumstance, because we understand that in the struggle comes growth. But that doesn't mean that we wish that we had the thing that caused the struggle. The growth could have come another way. When we say that we're thankful for the struggle, we're simply acknowledging that God doesn't leave anything to waste. He says that he will cause all things to work to good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That does, see, God does not say in that passage that everything is good. In fact, by its implication, it says there are some things that are terrible, but God is so good that he will be faithful to us to take even that which is terrible and use it for good. And so I don't want you to see this passage, and maybe you've had teaching on this before, that, that, that has hinted at those things that I've mentioned, and I could go on with all kinds of different examples of that, but, but you can fill in the blanks in your own life. I don't want you to think that I'm telling you that you should be thankful for every, every heartache, every struggle, every disease, every terrible thing that's happened in your life. There's a message that I preach every now and then about why do bad things happen. Uh, sometimes it's because um, we, we do bad things and the consequences are what we reap. Sometimes it's because other people do bad things and it's the consequences that we reap. Sometimes it's because um, the world just turns and bad things happen and we reap the consequences. And then sometimes it's because we actively turn against God and we reap the consequences. But in all of those things, if you take any one of those things, whatever the, the catalyst moment is or the event or the thing that we can drill down to and say, well, this is what's wrong and I'm suffering because of that, whatever that thing is that's wrong, God never calls us to be thankful for sin, for sinfulness of ourselves or others, for the sinful effects that are in the world that cause us to suffer. If we were going to see it anywhere, I would assume we would see it in Paul, the, the writer here who, who wrote in one of his letters, he said, I've had this thorn in my flesh. Now, we don't know what it is. There are lots of scholars who think it's a number of different things. Everybody's got an opinion. We don't know what it is. But it's something that obviously bothered Paul a lot. He says, I've had this thorn in my flesh, some sort of physical suffering. And the paraphrase version is, he says, I've asked God three times to take it away, and God said no. 
What we did not find in the aftermath of that is Paul going, well, I guess I'll be thankful for the thorn in my flesh. Hmm? No, he said, he said, no, I think it's, a, I think it's a, actually a, a, a member of, of the devil sent t- to torment me. But he still found joy in his circumstance. And that's what this passage points us to. And I want you to understand these words very, very carefully. Let's look at it one more time. Verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. That is different than saying give thanks for all circumstances. So if we, if we change our thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I am told here to give thanks in all circumstances. To what am I giving my thanks? Towards what? In what direction am I giving this thanks? C.S. Lewis wrote uh, in a book called The Weight of Glory. He talked about, uh, in fact, a number of his books, he talked about suffering because he suffered a great deal in his life. And through that suffering is how he came to know Christ. And again, he would not go back and wish for the death of his loved ones that occurred. But out of that, God brought something good, which was his revelation that Jesus was true. And he thanked God for that. But he said, in fact, really in reference to this passage, what are the moment-by-moment graces for which we can be thankful? And if you, can, if you can adopt this thinking, friends, it can transform your daily life. And it sounds so simple, but it can be yet very difficult. And Lewis said it like this. He said, the, the joys of a comfortable bed in times of sickness I can be thankful for. She's not thankful for the sickness, but he's thankful for the comfortable bed. And just extend that out to the smallest of things. And I, and I find myself doing this a lot, actually, lately. There was, I don't remember what it was. There was something the other day. Um, I needed something to function the way that I needed it to work, and it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. It's something I was working on in the garage, manipulating with my hands, and it, it just wouldn't do it. And then it popped into place, and I went, thank you. Now, did God's fingers come down there and make that thing do what it was going to do? Probably not, but I, I don't know. But is he with me in that moment? He is. And in that circumstance, that simple circumstance, I find myself being thankful that something went the way I wanted it to go, that it solved my problem. Um, I, I bought these new shoes a few weeks ago that I'm not wearing right now. And every time I put them on, I'm like, oh, these shoes feel so good. And I'm thankful. Some people call this being mindful, mindfulness. Uh, and there are some in the Christian community who immediately put up their defenses against mindfulness because they think that very, feels very new age. It, it's not. It's literally what this is saying. In every circumstance, give thanks. How do you do that? 
You have to look at your circumstance, whether it's very simple or extremely complicated, whether it feels really good in the moment or it's a terrible time, and you must have eyes to look for the graces that God is giving you in every moment of your day. And be thankful. We say it in phrases like this all the time. Um, in fact, a friend of mine here in town got uh, T-boned in an intersection a few days ago. Every airbag in the car deployed. Front end was smashed. Practically a brand new car. Insurance is going to total it because when all of the air when all of the airbags deploy, the cost of replacing those and repairing those is like half the cost of the car. And you know what we said in the aftermath of that? Well, thank God it wasn't worse. Right? Because my friend walked away. He got out, got on the phone, called his wife and said, hey, I'm going to need you to come down here and pick me up. Uh, got in an accident. I've had other friends who've been in car accidents who didn't walk away. They never came home again. And so in that moment when I see my friend in this accident, I went, oh, well, thank you. Thank you for that mercy, that grace in that moment, that day, that he would go home to his wife and to his kids. Here this morning, I think about the troubles we had as we started this morning. The sound system didn't want to work, and we restarted things, and then it worked, and then it sounded like a robot in here. <laughs> that was not going to work. <laughs> you know, I can't even do the voice. My, it was not going to work. And then we got that working, and we're like, woo, that's great. And I'm like, thank you, that's awesome, that's great. And then the computer won't work, and the live stream isn't doing what it's supposed to, and we're plugging things in and unplugging things, and it works for five seconds, and then it doesn't work. Am I happy about that? No. Was I thankful that we figured it out? Well, did we really figure it out? It worked. We did some things, and then it worked. And I'm thankful. But even if it hadn't worked, you know what? I'd be thankful for those guys back there at the tables this morning. Because they're here with me, and they're here with us, and they're doing this for you out of the love of their hearts. We, uh, we're coming up on Thanksgiving, as I said. Uh, we are not a, we're not a big turkey family. I mean, we've done the turkey. And I, I'm, I love to cook. I like being in the kitchen. I'm not a chef, but uh, I can turn out some pretty decent food most of the time, and sometimes some really good food. I uh, love having Stephen, especially in the kitchen with me, because he's kind of got that flair, too. And, and when we get together, fun, magical things happen in the kitchen. And so I've done, I've done every kind of turkey cooking you can think of, except maybe, uh, you know, cowboy-style turning it over a campfire, only because I didn't have the setup to do it. I probably would have tried it, but... You know, we've done the traditional in the baking tray with the stuffing inside and, and we've flipped it upside down and cooked it that way. We've put it in the plastic bag and cooked it in the cooking bag and done all that kind of stuff. And then for a while we were on the kick with the deep fried turkey. I had the big cauldron in the backyard with the gas tank and, you know, you'd fill it with four gallons of oil, set it on fire, you know. 
And those honestly were my favorite. I mean, deep fried anything has got to be. I mean, that's a winner. Deep fried turkey, though. I, I like that. And one year, had the family all over to our house, had a big turkey. You had to be careful with the deep fryer. If anybody's deep frying this week, by the way, remember two things. Make sure that thing is thawed before you put it in the oil. You put a frozen turkey in that hot oil, you've created a bomb, is what you've created, and it's bad. Um, cook outside. I've seen videos of people doing this in their garage. That is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And it sometimes turns out really badly. Not you, right? No? Um, and then, uh, here, here's a tip for you if, if you're new to this. Take the turkey that you've bought, put water in your cauldron, and set the turkey down in it, and figure out how much oil you actually need. So see, you put your turkey down in there, and you make sure that, that it doesn't overflow, and that you have enough to cover the turkey. So you just keep adding water, then you take the turkey back out, and you measure how much water you had in there. That's how much oil you need, because... If you put too much oil in there and then you just slide your turkey down in there, the oil comes over the top and you've created another bomb. That tends to make Thanksgiving go poorly. Um, I've never done that. I've come close. There was a time when I got the turkey halfway down and I went, oh, this is not going to work. <laughs> come back out. We've got to get some of that oil out. But one particular year, we bought a, a very nice turkey, good-sized turkey, going to feed the whole family at our house out on the back deck, got the thing set up, it's going, it's blowing, get the turkey in there, put it down, great, just got to leave it to cook for a while, keep an eye on it, you know, came back inside, did some things, went back outside, looking great, looking good, came back inside, did some things, went back out, and the thermometer is pegged out to the top, it's like over 500 degrees, I got peanut oil in there, so it's got a high smoke and flame point, but we are in the danger zone. The same thing happened to us at home the other day. Not, this was because I wasn't paying attention. What happened the other day was because we were making fried chicken and the thermometer broke while we were cooking and we didn't know. And so we're just cooking along like normal. It says it's 350, 375 degrees, but there's smoke coming from my pan. And I'm like, this is not right. Tapped on the thermostat and he goes, like, we're going to set the house on fire. So we, I panic a little bit about the turkey. You have to be careful because you got the lid on, you got your little thermo thermometer down through the hole in the lid. If it's that hot, you don't want to just pop the lid off because that air coming in can ignite it just like that. So turn off the gas. Slowly open the lid, let some of that heat out, let it cool down. Like, oh, man. Wasn't burned yet. Everything settled down. We're like, okay, this will be all right. This will be good. Got dinner laid out. Got the turkey out. Let it, let it rest because, you know, after you cook meat at high temperatures, it's very tired, so you have to let it rest for a few minutes before you cut it. That's what that means. And um, put the turkey out on the table. Went to cut it, and it felt the skin was a little hard. Little, little crunchy. I cut down anything, and it, if you've ever seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, when Chevy Chase brings the turkey out from the oven and puts it on the table, 
and cuts it open, and it just flies open. He goes, like this, and like dust flies out, and there's nothing there. That's what this turkey was. We had cooked the flesh out of it. It was nothing but now a crust over bones. And there was like nothing salvageable in there. Did it ruin Thanksgiving? It could have. (laughs) We had a pretty good laugh. And we ate other food that we had. And I thought about that this week as we're coming up to Christmas or to uh, Thanksgiving Day. And uh, I think it's an example of the way that, that we've come to live in our family is that you have to find a way to focus on the things that are good and let the things that don't work out exactly like you wanted them to, you have to, you have to let them fall to the side. It doesn't mean necessarily that you ignore them, but I think ultimately what you do is you're leaving them to the Lord. Because you can't do anything about it anyway. If something terrible has happened, you can't change it happening. If, if a disease has invaded your body, you can't unring the bell. You can deal with the consequences and you can address it. Uh, try for a cure. Try for a delay. But you'll never be able to say, well, I never had that or that never happened to me. If something terrible has happened to you in your life, you'll never unring that bell. And so we have to make a decision in order to live lives that are filled with thankfulness and not lives that are filled with bitterness. And that choice has to be this, is that in everything, no matter what it is, we must look for the things for which we can give thanks. And it makes me think of... um, and people talk about this all the time. They'll see like a, uh, a video clip of an impoverished country or children in a place where they have nothing. You know, they're living in ramshackle little cabins or, or shacks, literally houses made out of cardboard boxes in some places. And these kids will be sad, destitute, and then someone comes in, I especially see this a lot in uh, my friends who've been to some places in Africa to do missions, and, and they bring with them a soccer ball. And they throw the soccer ball out, throw the soccer ball out into the community for those kids, and the whole environment just changes. And whether those children realize it or not, what they've done in that moment is they've found something in their circumstance for which to be thankful, and then it just comes out of them in this expression of joy. It doesn't matter if we have a, a very little or if we have so much that we're over, overburdened by our excess like we are in this country. We have to still look in every circumstance, in every moment, for what can we give thanks for. And then to cap it off, he says, do this, give thanks in all circumstances Why? Because this is what God wants for you as a follower of Christ. It's really not optional. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus 
for you, for me, that I live as a person who is thankful in the midst of any and every circumstance. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise him for he is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, now to his temple draw near. Praise him in glad adoration. Praise to the Lord who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do if with his love he befriend thee. Praise to the Lord who when darkness of sin is abounding who when the godless do triumph all virtue confounding sheddeth his light chaseth the horrors of night saints with his mercy surrounding praise to the Lord O oh, let all that is in me adore him. All that hath life and breath, come now with praise as before him. Let the Amen sound from his people again. Gladly for all we adore him. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, friends. Enjoy the time that you're having. Give thanks in all things and be blessed. We love you. Take care.